0: Hello, my name's Robert from truesoulwakes.com, and I'm welcoming you to another exciting podcast dedicated to seeking the truth between so many lies. Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 3, dated the 15th of July, 2016. And a warm welcome to the 99% of people that this is aimed at, here from the UK. This episode is titled, Why Capitalism Will Defeat Itself. If you've been listening to mainstream media, you may be wondering why, despite ever-increasing wages for Virtually Forever, that there's a problem. In fact the only times that wages haven't gone up was shortly after the 2008 crisis when between approximately February and May time in 2009 wages went down a little bit. And Let's also not forget that there's inflation as well even though the official estimate roughly 2% is what they say although it's not accurate because of course while DVD players may have gone down all the essentials such as food, rent, bills, things like that have all gone up way beyond 2% and as any anyone on the lower half of the income distribution will know, things have gone up far more than the official estimate of 2% would suggest. But if you listen to mainstream, you'd think everything's fine. Some may argue that this only sounds like a recent and minor hiccup, surely it's going to get better. Well, while its true wages have increased above the rate of inflation in the western world, With a few exceptions all the way until 2008, this often included pensions and, in some cases, benefits for the unemployed and disabled as well. So why the sudden change in 2008? 2008 was blamed largely on and made worse by the banking crisis, which was primarily to do with over-leveraging and bad loans such as subprime mortgages. It was also a flashing red warning light to all those paying attention that there was not only too much debt in the system, but too much debt that couldn't be paid back by the people, and therefore the banks that took it on. So why can't the people pay it back? They always have done, and average wages have gone up. What's not reflected in the statistics about the average wage increases is that for over 75% of the population, Income such as wages or social security has not gone up, they have stagnated, and in 30% of cases, give or take, gone down. People were told in 2008 and 9 those that were lucky enough still to have a job, a wage cut or loss in hours was therefore a good alternative. And many, although not all governments, insisted that to cut spending at a time when it was needed the most would help resolve the problem. The UK is a prime example of this not working. Despite the very heavy austerity measures that were introduced when the Conservatives came to power back in the year 2010, David Cameron's government racked up more debt in just five years than the previous governments did in over 200 combined. So some may ask, and rightly so, it makes no sense that a national debt would skyrocket even though the government's cutting spending. So let's look at this a little further. The countries who didn't cut spending, so they didn't have an austerity programme, are now exiting from the recession far quicker than the UK and others who did have an austerity programme. For example, the UK in the first six months of 2016, this year, has only had a 0.2% growth. And the reason it might not make sense is because if you'd been listening to the political leaders at the time they were insisting that the answer to the recession was to cut back on the debt by carrying out austerity measure it would help reduce the debt because it would reduce spending which does make sense on the surface but Running a country's budget is completely different to running a household budget and this is in more ways than just the sheer amount of money involved. And that's because when you run a household budget it makes sense to pay off the debt as quick as possible because then there's less interest to pay in the long run and more to live on in the future. And Osborne and Cameron tried to apply this method to a country. But in a country's budget if you cut too far and too fast It's not like you have to just cut back on one foreign holiday a year to resolve it. You reduce or totally cut off the money supply to the people who are then most likely to spend it. So before I start to talk about those most likely to spend it, let's quickly examine the financial makeup of human society at large. Society, whether we like it or not, is a pyramid type structure with literally billions of people on the lowest rung of the ladder living in extreme poverty. On top of that a slightly smaller layer of people who have just enough money to get by on even if they are living in debt. And up and beyond two or three more layers you get the middle classes mainly living in western society. Then on and up, a few more people, that might include the millionaires, and then up a couple more notches and you finally get to the billionaire mark. But then one more beyond that and you get to the strikingly rich and powerful people who make up only a handful of people worldwide. You couldn't spend it in a thousand lifetimes if you tried. We're talking Rothschilds, Morgans, the Gateses and in some case royalty. So when a government cuts back on spending, the first casualty and often the easiest to save on, are government programs where the least resistance can be expected. Social security is an obvious choice for obvious reasons, played on with a bit of media spin. Pensioners are usually reserved from the worst of these cuts because they vote in their millions and the government would never survive it if they did. When other government departments like policing, military, justice, education, health, etc. take a hit, you can guarantee that the specific part concerned will usually carry out a tried and tested method. Remember that the government departments almost always have a pyramid structure of their own. So when the axe falls, those at the top of the affected department will ensure that they're okay. They may offer a token gesture of freezing their already huge salaries by a few months, which is hardly painful for them, but a token for the press to talk about. They will pass on the worst of the cuts down to the next rung, and down the ladder it goes until eventually it gets to the area leaders and their personnel managers, and these people will have the tough choices to make, after ensuring their own positions and wages are safe first. This leaves the little people at the bottom with the wage cuts, fewer hours and in many cases an email as it so often is these days, informing them that they will no longer be required at the end of the month. So with most people's income falling, and government tax receipts dwindling, and the austerity biting, it means that in a relatively rich western nation, the middle is squeezed, with millions more suddenly finding themselves unable to afford the luxuries that they've previously enjoyed. The top 2-5%, depending on who exactly you listen to, are richer than ever, but they already have a home, car, TV, and all the stuff people generally want to buy. Besides, they only make 2-5% of the purchasing. But millions on the lower rungs in the ladder in the West, hardest hit by the cuts, by both wages, hours, social security benefits, along with millions more from the middle classes who are now not spending as much, worried about their future incomes, now stop spending on all, but the most essential and often cheaper items. So isn't there a demand for goods anymore? Demand for goods has never been greater. There are more people than ever alive. And immigrants, as well as the Western nation's population increasing, means that there's more people wanting this stuff, seeing more adverts about what you should buy, including cars, clothes, insurance, phones, homes, laptops and holidays. You keep being told what you should have, what successful people have. And ideally, that's what most people would like. But it's the majority of the millions of people who would normally buy these things who are now unable to afford them anymore. The credit limits are maxed out, their income's down, and for those who may have a bit, they are fearful for their future and holding back on the larger purchases. But then, large Western-owned companies have over $4 in liquidity. Why don't they invest? It would bring jobs. Well, there are many companies like Apple, Microsoft, Boeing, who have billions upon billions in cash reserves each. Ordinarily, this would be invested ploughed back into things like research and advertising. But this hasn't been done nearly as much as it has been in the past. Many companies over the last decade or so know that the people they're trying to sell to can't afford the very products that they would have otherwise heavily invested in. It makes no sense for a company that lives in a capitalist society to invest in products that it's simply not going to see a return on, and hence they've got the record amounts of cash reserves. And you can see now why this is beginning to become full circle and is on a downward trend unless things change. Capitalism is shooting itself in the foot. If we ignore for a moment and have all other issues equal, we can quickly see how this situation alone will spell the disaster for the end of capitalism, unless things change quickly. From the 70s and onwards, automation hit western manufacturing. Productivity went up, while the employment at the factories went down. That was obvious, you know, you've got the machinery and so on. But wages didn't keep pace for the average worker and therefore despite the increase in profits and the increase in productivity this was not shared out between the average worker that was there instead it was split between board directors and shareholders and as globalism became the next big thing what manufacturing jobs were left with the big companies were sent east to places like china where wages were far lower pollution and other restrictions were non-existent and health and safety laws and unions etc were unheard of so all this is beginning to result in one big mess You've got the mega corporations not using anywhere near full capacity because nobody can afford the goods they make. They're not being sold in the shops and all the decent paying jobs that went to a robot or overseas, often in places where people making the goods like an iPhone could never hope to afford the very thing that they've spent a year long making, earning between two or three dollars a day and once they've eaten and lived it's all gone. The government austerity practices end up harming the income of the very people who would buy many of these products as well, and the end result being that sales are down, purchases are down and orders are down. The very greed of the very few people at the top making these huge decisions that affect billions of people around the world to get even more billions of dollars for themselves has caused untold misery for billions of lives all around the world. You will never hear politicians talking about this, nor the BBC or Fox News. If anyone does mention it, for instance Bernie Sanders gave a good go, they will be relentlessly attacked until they cave in. A world where money makes it go round, these media organisations and politicians have long since been bought and paid for or owned by the very mega corporations doing very nicely out of the system as it is. The left arm will never speak out or criticise the right arm. So is there no hope? Well, it all looks like a lost cause. But the great masses of good and decent people on this earth have a real chance. It's one that only in recent history has become possible. The internet, at least for now, still allows people of most countries to communicate with relative freedom and free speech. We must all use this and seize on this opportunity while we still have it as free as it is because they are trying to chip away at it by using things such as anti-terror legislation and various other means to stifle free speech. It has allowed those with the time and the desire to get a new point of view across on many topics, including political and economical, instead of relying on the same few sources that people had to do for decades and decades, who are all owned and controlled by the very same, even if it's not official. This has allowed for an ever-increasing number of people to understand things they were previously led to believe was far too complicated and far too boring, like geopolitical economics. It's no accident, though, that the This was filled with acronyms and terminology to make any insomniac fall into a coma. How else could something so obvious be hidden for so long from so many people? Now you maybe know a little bit more than before, or you might wish to help a friend or two know about this, share this link or tell them about what you've learned, just give it a like, it all helps. Once enough people know, change will come. It'll have to. Once billions of people realise they are having their future sold off, deliberately, for the personal gain of a very small handful number of people, change will become inevitable. I'd like to thank you very much for sticking with me. I hope you're doing alright and have a great weekend. I'm fairly new to this, so I'd appreciate it if you subscribe if you found this useful. And don't forget, there's a website at www.truesoulwakes.com. The link should be in the description. And I look forward to hearing from you or any comments that you may send. And I'll see you again real soon. Take care.